Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Head out to the fan hotline once again, and we're joined by our pal for the Post-Gazette, Noah Hiles, who's on the pit beat. What's up, Noah? How are you, man? I'm fantastic, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Not as well as the Pitt Panthers uh, are doing right now on the basketball court, and uh, that's why uh, we want to talk to you tonight because it has certainly been a tale of uh, kind of two seasons in ACC play to this point, Noah. Uh, I guess kind of a simple question first. How have they done it? How have they pulled themselves up from the depths to where they are now, a team that is, I think, what, certainly on the bubble is safe to say at this point? Yeah, it's definitely a bubble team. Um, I think it all started with, ironically enough, an injury. Uh, On December 30th, Ishmael Leggett banged up his shoulder against Syracuse. And shortly after that, it allowed uh, Jalen Lowe to take over as the team's starting point guard. I think that was the first piece to the puzzle. If you look at the struggles that this team had in December, uh, and, and even in wins, like I, I think I said this uh, when I was on with, with Donnie earlier uh, last week, this was a team that could not get to the basket. Its shot creation was worse because of that. There weren't as many great scoring looks as there really should have been. So getting Jalen Lowe in the starting lineup was the first piece of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle was getting Ishmael Leggett healthy because while he wasn't, he was probably better off for this team on the bench, coming off the bench, I should say, he's still a huge part. And having him as a healthy sixth man to come in and do all types of different jobs, be it scoring, coming up with big steals, leading the team in rebounding still, uh, that was a big part of it. And with those two pieces in their new role, it allowed Bob Carrington and Blake Henson, the two best scorers on this team, to really press less, to to have less pressure on their shoulders and take better shots game in and game out. And, Josh, I mean, you see the results, especially with Henson, how you don't see a lot of 
two of 11s on the stat sheet anymore. You, you don't even see some of these guys taking 11 shots. It's, it's, it's smarter looks. It's more efficient basketball. It starts with the backcourt. It's very similar to what we saw last year where this is a guard-led team. You have Blake Henson who can shoot from anywhere, and then you have your, your front court doing just enough to get by. That was the recipe last year, and that's the recipe right now. Is this just to be expected maybe with Pitt, not just with Pitt basketball, but basketball in general right now when we talk about the transfer portal, is that you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are like this that start their season sort of lost in the wilderness a bit, if you will, and then you know maybe it comes together or maybe it doesn't, but in the case of Pitt, it does. I just feel like with the portal now, you're going to get a lot of situations like this where, you know, the resume as they you know pertains to bracketology, you really have to focus more on what a team does in the back half of the season because you're talking about brand new teams that are being put together year in and year out, and that was kind of the case with Pitt this year. I think it's partially that. I think another part of it is just youth on Pitt's side. I mean, the two most important players in college basketball are your two starting guards. You look at teams that go far in the tournament, it's teams that typically have the better guards in the bracket or the more experienced guards. Pitt's playing with two kids that were quite literally playing high school basketball last year. So it took them some time to figure it out. I mean, Carrington, you know, everyone remembers the debut, right? The triple-double and all the, all the hype that came from that. But not long after, I mean, the kid kind of got schooled in Brooklyn against Florida. And he had to take some lumps. And he took some lumps in early ACC play as well. Jalen Lowe, same thing. I mean, he took a while to get going. Both of those kids had their own shares of adversity, be it dealing with pressure and being a target for the opposition. Or Lowe, in Lowe's case, he had a little bit of an injury he was still recovering from. But once they got going, the rest of this team got going. So I think that's part of it, Josh. I, I, do, I do hear what you're saying with the portal. But if everyone's dealing with that, then it's kind of, the same sport is it not um but I, I to your sentiment yes like no team is really going to show what its true identity is until january or february because that's just the sport now uh but i think in pitt's case it had more to do with youth than anything else i think this is how the team was envisioned when capel put it together although there were probably a couple more pieces that he imagined being a part of it that aren't around either because of injury or disciplinary reasons uh, but this is what they had in mind. This is how this team was built to win, and it took some experience. It took some learning lessons to get there. Noah, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Boston College, Florida State, NC State on the schedule, three home, three away. What does Pitt need to do at 17-8 and eight and 8-6 eight and six in conference? What do they need to do the rest of the way to get themselves back in the NCAA tournament? You want to head down to D.C. in a couple of weeks with no worries in the world, if you're Pitt, you go 5-1 and one here. You lose either tomorrow night or to Clemson, and Clemson would probably be, or win both of those and lose, like, Saturday to Virginia Tech or something, who looks to be playing pretty good basketball right now. I'm not sure if you saw what they did to yeah. Virginia this evening. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think if Pitt, yeah, if Pitt can go 5-1 and one in this stretch, essentially replicate what it just did, which was win six of its last seven, now it's on seven of eight with that win over Louisville. Um, but if it can do that again and it can get to D.C. with 22 regular season wins 
and, a, and what will likely be a double buy in the ACC tournament, I think you're fine. I think at that case, or in that specific scenario, you're playing at worst to avoid another trip to Dayton. Um, I think 21 probably keeps you safe, but this year it's just kind of a crapshoot. I mean, look at the look at the divide. Like, there's not a big divide after like the top five teams in the country, as far as record goes. I mean, there are teams ranked inside the top 20 right now that have like one more win than Pitt overall, and it, there's it, it's not just Pitt. I mean, teams on the bubble right now have. 16, 17, 18 wins. So I think there's going to be a lot of chaos heading into conference tournament week. Um, last year, something that I think doesn't get talked about enough is how lucky Pitt kind of got where there were no bid stealers. There was no Cinderella team that went and stole an auto bid by winning its league tournament, and it wasn't supposed to, and that kind of kept Pitt where it was on the bubble. I don't think you can bank on that to happen two years in a row just because that's how this sport works. There's going to be chaos. Um, so, yeah, I would say 22 wins, completely safe. I think if they go 4-2, and two, you're in shaky territory. You probably had to win at least one game in D.C. I think 22 wins, no matter how you get there, unless if it's multiple wins uh, in D.C., you, you feel safe. Noah, the perception right now, and I've seen you know the bracketology and Joe Lenardi this and all that, ACC with four teams in the NCAA tournament, the projection is right now, or at least the last one that I saw, why is the perception of the conference that poor? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I think you talk about strength of conference and things like that, and it does fluctuate year to year, but... It also seems like the ACC has a team go pretty darn deep in the tournament every year and show pretty well in the NCAA tournament, but yet the perception is that uh, the conference is not that good. Is that accurate to you, or is maybe there a little bit of undervalue treatment going on with, with the ACC this year? I think there might be a little bit. I don't know if it's as much as some people claim for it to be. Um, like There are some teams I look at in the bracketology stuff, and I'm just like, why am I still reading St. John's name right now. I, I don't understand that one. But you, you look at what the ACC has to offer right now, right? It's got four teams that look to be locks for the tournament. I think all those teams are where they should be. Honestly, I think you could probably flip Clemson, who looks like it's being projected as like a five or a six seed. It hasn't looked like a five or a six seed in quite some time, except for that, you know, win a couple weeks ago in Chapel Hill. With the exception of that, it has not played great basketball really over the last month. Uh, Virginia has been better, although it's lost two of its last three. But those are your four locks, right? Then you look at what it has on the bubble. I think these teams just needed more time to prove themselves, honestly, Josh. I mean, Wake Forest, the first team on on the bubble from the ACC, it's got one quad one win. I don't know if you deserve to be penciled in to an NCAA tournament with one quad one win as we're in the third week of February. You look at Pitt. Pitt did nothing in the non-conference. It did not have one impressive win, and it started the ACC 1-5. It did not deserve to be anywhere near the tournament at that point in time. And while it's done a lot to make up ground, I think Pitt is where it should be right now, which is a bubble team with still more to prove. Miami, similar spot. I mean, Miami started with such high expectations this year. 
They returned three starters from a Final Four team. And it added in the transfer portal. That team lost to Louisville. It's not that good this year. I don't understand, but that's the reality of it. So there are a couple teams in the ACC that I feel like might be getting the short end of the stick. Syracuse especially. I feel like I don't understand why they're so underrated. But for the most part, I feel like there are four teams right now that, yes, they deserve to be in the tournament. And then there's another three to four that, for one reason or another, still have to prove themselves. And I think with more games, Josh, I think in a week or two, that number probably is at five or six. I think the winner of tomorrow night's game, the next by midweek, will probably be a team viewed as in the tournament. So it's, it's just going to get better. I think this year, as opposed to last year, last year their belief was, you know, these teams aren't that good. I think this year these teams just need a little bit more time to build the resumes. Talking with Noah Hiles from the Post Gazette. Noah, let's say the Panthers do go, you know, five and one the rest of the way uh, here in the regular season. They win twenty two games. Is Jeff Cable the ACC Coach of the Year again? No, I don't think this year. Um, I mean, you can make an argument for it, uh, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just feel like you know, it depends how other teams finish. I mean, if you if you see Virginia Tech get hot and I mean, if Wake Forest makes the NCAA tournament, then it's got to go to Forbes, right? I mean, it's the first time that team's made the tournament since 2017. So I would think that that would probably get him the award. Um, You know, North Carolina's been a powerhouse all year long. And after the disappointment that group experienced last year for them to rally, and, you know, if they could finish by winning the league, I think you can make the the argument there for Davis. I don't know. I, I mean, I think Capel has a decent shot, but I don't. I don't think he would be the favorite, even if Pitt does. If Pitt would have to like win out, maybe, for him to be in that spot again. I think. What about the year that Blake Hinton has had? And last thing for you, Noah. I, oh. You know, Blake Hinton, obviously forty-one. Uh, you know, I thought the first half of ACC play was. You know, among the worst that we've seen from Blake Hinson, and I think he would probably admit that too, and so would Jeff Capel and company. And ever since they beat Duke and he stood on that scorer's table at Cameron Indoor, I think this has been the best that we've seen of Blake Hinson. Why did, you know, why did it switch so well for him there? And what is the upside of a guy like Blake Hinson who kind of dabbled with the NBA waters last year? I mean, can he be that player given the way that he shoots from the outside? Can he go play? in the NBA at the next level? I think so. I mean, I, I don't expect him to be a lottery pick or anything, but, I mean, he's doing everything that the scouts wanted to see, right? Like, he got more athletic. Look, just, I mean, I was watching film of him last year for a story I'm working on, and he looks like a completely different human. And I know that, like, you know, these are college kids. One year changes your appearance a ton when you're in that age group, although Blake's, like, 24, so... I don't know if that necessarily applies to him as much. But still, I mean, he looks like a completely different human. He's slimmed down. He's noticeably faster and more athletic out there. He's getting to the basket a lot more. I mean, the shot is clearly still there from the outside. And I think he's better on the defensive end as well. You want to, you asked what has made him play better since, you know, a month ago when they beat Duke. It's guard play. I mean, that's, that's what allowed this guy to be good in the first place at Pitt, right, was he had Nellie Cummings and he had two point guards really on the floor. 
He's got that again now. He's got a, he's got a younger version of Jamarius Burton with higher upside in Carrington, and he's got a younger version of Nellie Cummings with higher upside in Jalen Lowe. And their their execution, and you add in a probably less athletic but more productive version of Nike Sabande and Ishmael Leggett, and their backcourt production has allowed him to play his game, and he's a more involved player this year, which leads to more evolved results. So, I, in my opinion, this guy is first ballot All-ACC, or first team All-ACC, and if this continues, Josh, I mean, you're going to have a tough time telling me that he doesn't deserve at least consideration for ACC Player of the Year, because in the biggest moments of this season, be it the backyard brawl, be it at Cameron Indoor, be it in Charlottesville last week, the guy's delivered and delivered in a major way. So he's he's the best player on the team, which is what we knew all year long, and it's looking like he might be the best player in this league. Noah, are you traveling to uh, Winston-Salem for the game tomorrow? I am indeed. Flight leaves at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, day of travel. Be careful, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm playing with fire. <laughs> Well, enjoy your time. I think Winston-Salem, somewhat of an underrated ACC city. There's a couple of good spots there. Hopefully you get to uh, see some of them uh, as you get down there. But enjoy the game tomorrow night, and uh, we'll do it again soon, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks for having me on. All right, Noah Hiles from the Post-Gazette. Winston-Salem, not high on my ACC city uh, power ranking list, but it's not low either. It's probably firmly in the middle. It's not... Miami or Charlottesville. It's not Syracuse or Blacksburg or Clemson or South Bend. All of them would be below Winston-Salem. Raleigh-Durham's nice. I was just in Clemson this past weekend. Not great as far as uh, the town goes. Don't love it. I'm going to Syracuse next weekend. I'm not really looking forward to that as far as the... uh, the town itself, Joel. Have you ever been to another ACC city, Joel? Have you been anywhere been to else Louisville. in the footprint? You've been to Louisville? Louisville, Clemson. Clemson's a really nice, like, campus. It's just a, a college. It's it's The town is the college. It's not. There's nothing really else to it to me. So, for just that, pretty much, I, that was pretty superb down there. Louisville. Did you go to a football nice. game there? Clemson? No, but was outside the football stadium. That was pretty cool out there. Yeah, it's pretty big. Pretty, pretty big stadium there, Death Valley. I like Louisville as well. I'm going back to Louisville in May, uh, not for basketball, for the PGA Championship, and I'm very much looking forward to going as just a pure tourist, unattached to any work responsibilities for the most part. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be pretty fun. You going to visit uh, Churchill Downs? Just take a look over there while you're. I down might. There? Yeah, yeah. We're going to go play a little golf while we're there. Um, I have to assume that there's probably going to be some sort of distillery tour that is uh, maybe participated in just a little bit while we're there. Uh, I also have heard really good things about the Muhammad Ali Museum, which that's his hometown. I've heard that's really worth seeing as well. I've never got the chance to go. I keep telling myself every I go every year. I'm like, I'm going to go this year. I'm going to go to the Muhammad Ali Museum, and then it just slips my mind, and I leave, and I'm like, ah, didn't get to go. So maybe that'll come next. Uh, but with this pit team, you know, I, the job that Jeff Capel has done here the last couple of years now has just been fantastic. And 
last year's team had that veteran flair to it where, you know, they were old, they were experienced, they could score. This year's team, it's just taken a little bit longer for them to, I think, get to where they were last year. And I'll be honest, I'll be honest. If I think this team is more of a threat as it is right now than they were a year ago. I liked them to win a couple of games in the tournament last year. I really didn't like them to, you know, get beyond the Sweet 16. This year, look, I don't know that they're a Elite 8 team, but I also look at like what Miami did last year. You get exceptional guard play in the NCAA tournament and Pitt can get that when Blake Hinson plays the way that he's been playing, when Jalen Lowe is running the show, and when Bub Carrington is facilitating scoring. Like When that trio is working, I think this team can be better than they were a year ago as far as being a threat in the tournament. The problem is going to be getting to the tournament in the first place. This year, it feels like it might take just a little bit more to get in the tournament because of the viewing of the ACC of it not being very strong. You know, there's some people who really, you know, I talked to Noah about this. They really take it as a personal affront that the ACC is viewed as down this year. And and I think it is silly when you talk about a conference as good, as talented, deep as the ACC is – To only have four teams in the tournament, you're talking about like the Mountain West getting more and teams and conferences like that. The ACC is better than that. It's better than four teams getting into the tournament. It is. And history has generally shown us that it is better than that. And you can't look one year to the next. I I get that. But if you're going to start to go back, and like I, I think I heard Joe Lenardi say this the other day, well, you know, The ACC very rarely has one seeds anymore, so how good could the conference be? Well, yeah, they very rarely have one seeds anymore, but A, uh, Virginia won a championship as a one seed. B, um, let's see, Miami went to the Final Four last year. They consistently have teams get to the Elite Eight year after year after year. Maybe the way that we evaluate teams based off of what seed they have the year before Maybe it's not exactly accurate, Joe Lenardi. But I do think that this Pitt team, you know, winners of five in a row, they've pulled themselves up from the depths of the conference where I think, it, you know, it was safe to say a lot of people were probably wondering if last year was a one-hit wonder. If this team was going to fall back so far that last year looked like just the blip on the radar. Now, fourth place in the ACC, a chance to get into sole possession of fourth place. You have a couple of big games to go, but games that will propel you farther up. And I agree with Noah. I think if they win, you know, five more games here, they're in the tournament and they should be in the tournament at that point. And I do think that as a, an NCAA committee, the way that they view seasons and yes, everybody is in this situation, but there has to be more weight put on the back half of your of your conference year. There has to be. The way that you play has to be weighted even heavier now in that back half of conference play because of the transfer portal. 
because you're bringing in, and like Pitt brought in freshmen that have played a role, but they've also brought in transfers as well. You have to look at teams based on what they do in the back half of ACC play. And I'm not saying that's the be-all, end-all, but it has to be weighted heavier now because of the portal. These teams aren't coming together, really, until they're 15 games into their 30-game season. And at that point, you're just about, you know, what, five games maybe into ACC play or conference play. And then you start to look at what they start doing from that point on. And I think if you look at this pit team, you know, pretty early on in ACC play, they won very good. They were one and five in their first six. And now here they are at eight and six. What they have done after, you know, six ACC games, they've looked like an NCAA tournament team to me. They've looked like an NCAA tournament team, I think, to a lot of people. They've won at Virginia, which hadn't lost a home game in 23 straight games. They won at Duke, the seventh-ranked team in the country, a team that, you know, just a couple of weeks earlier smashed them on their home floor by 20, and they were able to turn it around like that. And they had one loss to Miami on the road by four points is their only loss since January 16th. It's over a month now in ACC play with games against Duke, games against Wake Forest, games against NC State, games against Virginia, and Pitt has, except for that one game against Miami, won them all. They deserve to be, I think, strongly considered right now. I think it's fair where they are right now, but if they win four or five more games, they should be in the tournament. And boy, would that be fun if they got back into the tournament. You know it would be really fun? It won't happen. But you know uh, what arena is hosting the NCAA tournament this year? Old PPG Paints. How unbelievable would that be? It won't happen because their seed won't be high enough. But how unbelievable would that be? Because they don't host the tournament, Pitt. It's Duquesne that hosts it. They're allowed to play at their home at their home city's floor. Boy, that crowd would be outrageous if Pitt found its way to a game in Pittsburgh in the NCAA tournament. Not going to happen, I know. But that would be incredible if it did. All right, we got to get to a break. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. And Fan Twitter is brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. You can visit them at South Hills Kia. I heard one of the dumbest things come out of an analyst's mouth that I have ever heard in the last week. And I want to tell you what that is when we come back. I'm about to roast somebody here. So stay tuned. I'm Josh Roundtree. This is the Fan Evening Show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So this week, by the way, Josh Roundtree Fan Evening Show. This past week, I think one of the great moments in recent college basketball history happened. And that is Caitlin Clark draining a shot from just inside half court to break the all-time women's division one basketball scoring record. Caitlin Clark, if you don't know, is the best basketball player in the world right now. When we factor in, I think either men's or women's basketball, I think there's a case to be made that she is the best basketball player to ever play college basketball men's or women's. Let me clarify that. I'm not saying that Caitlin Clark could go play men's basketball and be successful, I'm saying compared to her peers, she might very well be the best college basketball player, particularly in the modern era, to play the game. Last 40 years. I I think that that is a very, very real conversation that needs to be had. It's not because she scores a ton of points. It's because when she scored 49 the other day to break the record, she also had 13 assists. <laughs> That's insane. It's ridiculous. She is unbelievable. There's no other way to put it than unbelievable. She is greatness personified. Unless you're Jay Williams of ESPN, who apparently doesn't think that Caitlin Clark is great. Here's what he said. I think she is the Stephen Curry of women's basketball. I think she has changed the dynamics of the way the game is played. I think the way she plays, the pizzazz, is like she's probably the most prolific scorer the game of basketball has ever seen. Unmatched. I am I am unwilling, and maybe it's more the, the Kobe mentorship around me, to say that she is great yet. I think she is the most prolific scorer the game has ever seen. I hold great or the levels of immortality or the pantheon to when you win championships. I'm just, that's just me. So Diane Taurasi, when you win three consecutive championships, two-time national player of the year, it has to it has to culminate with the chip. It has to. I mean, Brianna Stewart, if we're talking about GOAT legends of the game, she's won four chips. Four chips, multiple national players of the year. So I'm not saying that she's not at a high, high, high level, but for it to go to the states of immortality, in my opinion, it has to culminate with your team winning a championship. I think she is a step. Uh, you remember um, Billy Madison? When he gives a speech and the guy goes, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard in my entire life. Congratulations to Jay Williams on that. Because what you just said, Jay Williams, is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard in my entire life. So because Caitlin Clark has not won a championship, she is not great? Huh? Caitlin Clark... AP Player of the Year, Honda Sports Award, J.R. Wooden Award, Naismith College Player of the Year, USBWA 
National Player of the Year, Wade Trophy, Sullivan Award, two-time unanimous first-team AP All-American, three-time first-team All-American by the USBWA, three-time WBCA Coaches All-American, second-team All-American by the AP, three-time Don Staley Award winner, two-time Nancy Lieberman Award winner, USBA USBWA National Co-Freshman of the Year, WBCA Co-Freshman of the Year, two-time Big Ten Player of the Year, three-time first-team All-Big Ten, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, two-time Big Ten Tournament Most Outstanding Player, two-time NCAA Season Scoring Leader, two-time NCAA Season Assists Leader, Division One Academic All-American, McDonald's All-American coming out of high school, Miss Iowa Basketball, FIBA Under-19 World Cup MVP. Should I keep going? Here's my question to Jay Williams. Was Kevin Durant a great player when he was at Texas? They didn't win a championship, but I guarantee you, Jay Williams thinks that Kevin Durant was great when he was at Texas. No doubt that Kevin Durant was a great player when he was at Texas because he was a great player when he was at Texas, and it's insane not to think that. And the only reason, honestly, I don't even know what the reason is other than you just want to be a hater on an insanely great player who is doing things that the game of basketball on the women's side has never seen before. Nobody has been able to transcend in the game of basketball like Caitlin Clark, but for some reason, People like Jay Williams and Cheryl Swoops, by the way, an all-time great, who said, well, it doesn't count because, you know, she played an extra year. She got the COVID year. Uh, by the way, Cheryl Swoops, that's not true. She's in her fourth year of college basketball, and she broke the scoring record. So you're wrong. Cheryl Swoops also said that Caitlin Clark is 25 years old, playing against 20-year-olds. She's wrong about that as well. Caitlin Clark is 22. So there's a lot of people that want to come out of the woodwork and hate on Caitlin Clark when all this kid has done, has said and done pretty much the right things from the start and has just been a bucket-getter facilitator, she takes a lot of shots, but she makes a lot of shots, and she also led the country in assists twice. We are talking about the greatest college basketball player on the women's side that we have ever seen. Nobody has done what she has done in our lifetime. There have been great players. Cheryl Swoops is one of them. No question about it. I put Candace Parker up in that discussion. Phenomenal player under Pat Summit at Tennessee. There's been really, really great players in women's college basketball. Nobody's doing, nobody has done what Caitlin Clark is doing right now. But we want to question her greatness because what? She hasn't won a team award? A team championship? That's nonsense to me. Why is that now the parameter? Why are we moving the goalposts when it comes to Caitlin Clark all of a sudden? There are a, a number of metrics to be used to describe greatness. Was Dan Marino not a great quarterback? Was he not a great quarterback? He's one of the greatest quarterbacks all of all time. He never won a Super Bowl. He is still a great, great quarterback. But for some reason, we have to have these people hate on Caitlin Clark. And, and, and I, I, I don't understand why. She is a phenomenal talent. She's done things that we haven't seen. I mean, there are so many. Like Reggie Miller 
is Reggie Miller not a great NBA player? The guy's a Hall of Famer. He just went into the FIBA International Hall of Fame, one of the best players all time in the world. He's in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Is he not great because he never won an NBA championship? Was Allen Iverson not a great player? Was Tim Duncan not a great college player because he didn't win an NCAA? Like, what are the metrics here? What's the standard now? Was Charles Barkley not a great player? I bet you Jay Williams wouldn't look Charles Barkley in the face and say you were not a great player, but he can sit behind a camera and scream that about Caitlin Clark. Why? Seriously, why? Look, I, mean, I I watch a lot of college basketball. I call a lot of college basketball on the women's side. I've seen a lot of really great players come through the ACC and beyond. I've never seen anybody, anybody come close to doing the things that Caitlin Clark is capable of doing game in and game out. I have, I've watched ACC basketball. I've called ACC women's basketball for six years. I have not seen a single player come through arguably the best women's basketball conference in America year in and year out and do anything like Caitlin Clark can do. I've seen high round draft picks. I've seen really all Americans all over the place. Nobody has touched what Caitlin Clark can do. I hope next year, well, I mean, I think she's probably going to come back to college basketball. I think she'd be kind of crazy not to because of NIL now. I think she can make more money now than she could if she went to the WNBA based on NIL. But whenever she does go to the WNBA, I really hope they do an event like what they did with Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry the other night at the NBA All-Star festivities, and they let her shoot against people. Because Sabrina's an incredible shooter, an incredible player. She doesn't shoot like Caitlin Clark, though. Caitlin Clark will pull up from NBA range all the time. That's not a step back for Caitlin Clark like it was for Sabrina Ionescu, who, again, is phenomenal. And I thought that was an awesome event to showcase how good she can be against a men's player. I mean, she took Steph Curry right there to the brink, the greatest shooter of all time. I talked about this the other day. Like, We just want to poke holes in greatness with everything we do. Well, you know, LeBron's a great player. But he ain't Jordan. (laughs) Why do we constantly feel the need to diminish greatness? And in this case, not even admit that it exists with Caitlin Clark. I mean, I don't know what Jay Williams' motivations are with that. 3,569 points tell me otherwise when it comes to Clark. But... I don't know. What do I know? I've probably watched more women's basketball than Jay Williams has, but he's on the ESPN panel and gets to say things like that. And rightfully was bashed by many, many people for having what goes down as this week's stupid take of the week. So congratulations to Jay Williams, who I really respect, by the way. I respect his basketball opinions, uh, but uh, definitely not this one. Not even close. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we got to get to a break. When we come back, if you want to chime in on this, 412-928-9370 is a number where you can reach us. We'll take your calls when we come back on the Fan Evening Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 